Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. This is Song versus Song. And uh, what are we doing this week? Okay, I, I got it. It's, uh, we're doing Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It versus Cher's If I Could Turn Back Time. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, that was a reluctant yes, but we're... I don't know, maybe we should do it like most podcasts do and just fuck around for like 20 minutes first. No, we, we <laughs> had this conversation with your brother about his podcast and how they fuck around for 20 minutes before they do anything. Yeah, and I was, also do that for my sci-fi podcast, and I'll tell you what, yeah. I don't think it's ever done us any favors. <laughs> but yeah, now we're doing it right now. Oh. I, I just vowed that we wouldn't, and now we're doing it. Oh, should we erase this and start over? Nah, it's no. fine. If we could turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. Okay. There was an attempt. All right, what's yeah. your what's your gut instinct? This is how we start the podcast now, right? Um, yeah. When you said these songs, where did your where did your mind go? Immediately and thoroughly. I feel like a kind of a heretic to say this, but I went with Cher. Oh, did you, have you yet to make your final opinion? So I also went with Cher. Uh-oh. This is it's really it's kind of this unfortunate side effect of us not telling each other. Oh man! That occasionally now we we wind up in the same place. But I'll tell you that that was the gut instinct yeah. where I ultimately wind up. Is a mystery. Yeah. But okay, so why is it for you that you went for Cher over Tina Turner for these two songs? I, I tell you what, I have always kind of wondered why doesn't What's Love Got to Do with It hit for me? Because it feels like it should, and I just never quite made it in there. And I don't know, I just think the production is very weak. I think that song has a weak production. You know, like when it uh, when that chorus hits, it should be really hard, and it's just kind of soft and wimpy. And Tina's giving it everything. I agree. So, um, yeah, you, you you mentioned that the other day. I was like, oh no, that's my opinion. You, you can't take my opinion. <laughs> this is this is not a podcast where we sit and around and agree with each other. I'm going to tell you something. The truth is that uh, when these songs came out, mm-hmm. I hated them both. Whoa! I hated both these songs. And I'll tell you why. I was young, and so I would have been four when when one what's love got to do with it came out, and nine when if I could turn back time could come out. So when I had a real strong memory of them, I had a memory of the music videos of these playing not on MTV, but on VH1. And I'll tell you something: the Lame Network. Which is what it was at the time. And that's the thing about it. You know, that was the the network that your dumbass, corny parents listened to. They're garbage music. A bunch of tired old people pathetically trying to get middle-aged folks to go to their shows. It just wasn't something. Like, I just didn't care. You know, I would watch Tina Turner strut her stuff, and I'd go, who cares about this old lady? That was, I mean, I, again, please understand, I was a child. <laughs> as a ch- yes. As a child. As a child. Uh, and share, I thought what, I mean, a try, try hard was not a thing that we said in the eighties, but, <laughs> but I thought this woman is trying so hard with this outfit and the <laughs> battleship and the, this is absolutely riding the cannon, absolutely ludicrous. And as a kid, I just hated it both. You know, I, I don't even think I, the songs particularly registered to me. I just what? hated them both. I remember when VH1 was the lame network. I just, I forgot about that. Then in the late 90s, it was like the the pop culture geek network 
for a while, and then it was like nothing but garbage, and no one even knows what we're talking about now. Now it's just reality shows. Yeah, it's weird to talk about VH1 as though it ever had an identity because it, neither MTV nor VH1 really have them anymore. No, but they very specifically did in the 1980s. You know, it's it's interesting because 1984, the year that um, this Tina Turner song came out, mm-hmm. is also the first year of the VMAs, the MTV VMAs, their very first year. Oh, where yeah. Madonna comes out and performs like a virgin. Yeah, that, Ryan's that on the was, floor. Yes. That was, I mean, 1984, mm-hmm. arguably, as we get into the Song Facts era, you know, 1984 often referred to as the most important year in pop culture history. It is? A lot, yes, it is a, it is a very commonly held belief that it is amongst the most important years in pop culture. I mean, it was the year I was born. So wow, so there, there you go. go, right there. Yeah. Nailed it. So what, I other, been, what other reason do you need? I would have been zero when that song came out, and I have distinct memories of it. No. I. Yeah. But that's, so, the, so that's it. Now, the reason that my gut instinct went towards Cher over Tina Turner is, if I could turn back time, sonically, hits harder. That's it. That's the reason. I mean, you, you talk about this; these both being old people's music. Like, I didn't plan it like this, but this goes back to what I was saying when I was talking about Kokomo and got my mindset on you. Like, the the 60s were so big in the 80s, and everyone who was around in the 60s got brought back. And mostly I was thinking of, like, rock bands, like the, you know, the former Beatles, the Rolling Stones and all that, and the Beach Boys. But then I was like, oh, yes, also the 60s divas, also Cher, also Tina Turner, uh, the two most famous divorcees in pop culture history. For very different reasons. <laughs> I, I don't know why Sonny and Cher didn't make it, honestly. I just... I, I assume it's not as bad as I can, Tina. It seems unlikely. I, here's, yeah. here's what I'll say. If it was that bad... We'd know I, about I, it. I, I believe that Cher would have let us know. Yes. You know? She might have just called everybody up in the phone book and <laughs> let people know. I, you know? And I, here's another thing I'll say. I think my other gut instinct to lean towards Cher is because Cher's such a weirdo. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, uh, let's be honest. Tina Turner and Cher are, are are inspirations for drag queens, both. Yes, but you know, I think I'm more. If I was going to be a drag queen, well, first of all, I don't want to do blackface. Yes, because I'm not an I'm not an idiot. But surprisingly also, surprisingly hard to do, apparently, to avoid b- doing blackface. I don't. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what the Trudeau you're talking about. But uh, but. I could. I literally could have named anybody at, at yeah. any point in time. There's always going to be someone. But look, yeah. I think that share her strangeness, the thing that makes her a, a queer icon, sort of mm-hmm. connects with me a little bit more. So that was the other reason. But it's hard because, like you said, you feel like a heretic, don't yeah. you? Because well, it, it, it feels like just on its own. What's love got to do with it? is the iconic song. like, And also, you feel like a shithead. Because yeah. if there's one thing everybody knows, it's that <laughs> Tina Turner's fucking great. Yeah. Just an incredible human being. You watch interviews with her, and she's so jubilant. Despite everything that's happened to her, she has such a gift to make you feel good when she performs and when she speaks, when she writes. You know, this is the thing that's about her. I think what makes you feel a little bad picking the Cher song over the Tina Turner song is because, and no shade on Cher, but Tina Turner is just a stone-cold legend and somebody that is truly inspirational. Well, the thing about the Cher song is it's, you know, it's this big, booming, butt-rock song, 
if Cher was not around, that song would still exist. It'd wind up in someone else's, uh, you know, in someone else's uh, discography. They'd do a good job of it. Maybe it'd be a hit. Probably wouldn't it be as good a hit without Cher on it, but it would still exist. What's Love Got to Do With It existing without Tina Turner strikes me as absolutely insane. Like, that that song is about Tina Turner, even if, you know, she didn't write it. She's just one of the things that got floated around. Like, who else could do What's Love Got to Do With It? What is that song without Tina Turner? It's, it is her. It is, that, to the point that uh, the success of that song spawned her to write a bi- an autobiography. Mm-hmm. With Kurt Loder. Oh, yes. I, Tina. M- MTV News's Kurt Loder. Yeah. And, you know, that's the amazing thing. Like, I was like, wait, the the book came out in 86. Like, did people not know about Ike and Tina's horrible history when that song came out? Like, I think I think they do. But I think that there was a lot more that you get out of it from there. And yeah. then eventually, you know, they optioned it and made uh, a movie. What's Love Got to Do With It, the movie, yes. Yes. Which stars the incomparable Angela Bassett. You know, talk about an, an absolute stone cold icon, Angela Bassett, and that movie they rushed. I mean, all right, we'll get we'll get to it, but they they rushed that movie out real fast, and both Angela Bassett and uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who played uh, Ike Turner, I, yeah, they both were up for Oscars for that. Yes, I remember. They did not win, but they were both up for it, and yeah. it's the only time that either of them has been nominated for an Oscar. Isn't that unbelievable? That's his only nomination, as far as I know. Wow, that blows my mind. It. It's shocking. I mean, to me, they're both such incredible performers. But before we talk about that, mm-hmm. um, we need to talk about some important facts. And I think perhaps the most important fact of all is that in both cases, both with What's Love Got to Do With It and If I Could Turn Back Time, both artists hated these songs. Yeah, that's just a weird coincidence. I didn't pick it like that. Both of them. Both of them fucking hated these songs before they recorded them. Honestly, I think Tina kind of still doesn't like what's love got to do with it. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm sh- there's a very interesting thing that I discovered in my research, and I don't know if you knew this. Okay. If I say to you the name of a song, you if you knew it, you would you'd be like, I know that song. Right. If I say to you, just good friends, have you ever heard that song? I glanced at that name while I was doing my own research. I can't remember who, which of the two did it. Was, was, was it. was it Tina? That was Tina's, right? So the the writers of What's Love Got to Do With It, Terry Britton and Graham Lyle, wrote a song called Just Good Friends. Uh-huh. It is a song off of Bad by Michael Jackson. It is a song in which Michael Jackson does a duet with Stevie fucking wonder that's right and it is the only song on the whole album that was not a single and people trashed it and said it was a boring ass garbage song they wrote the only bad song on bad (laughs) unreal so to put them in to sort of where they were in the 1980s and they were selling a lot of music they wrote the one song off of Bad, Bad, one of the yeah. most successful successful albums of the 1980s. The only one that was bad. And it had a duet with Stevie Wonder. How do you fuck that up? <laughs> Unbelievable. Shocking. Well, I mean, Stevie Wonder was not Michael Jackson in the 80s. Like, he was not at the top of his game. I know, but he was still Stevie Wonder, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. 
I, I was reading the, the 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 facts about what's love got to do with it. Like they said, they offered it to Cliff Richard, who's yep. like they also had written music for him. Yeah, I think they they did Devil Woman. They did Devil Woman's his, a pretty only, good. his only American hit. That's a pretty good song. That's a pretty all right song. Cliff Richard is not a very good artist. He's no. just been around like Tom Jones. He's just been around forever. They actually did record a version of this, and I didn't see this in the facts. Someone pointed it to me in the comments of our of the poll that there is the original version was was not ever released was by a European band called Bucks Fizz. Yep. Did you did you listen to that? I have not listened to it. Perhaps okay. At, at some going, point we will listen to it. No, no, we're going to stop right now, and you're going to listen to it. Okay, we're going to put this podcast on pause, and I'll listen to it. Yeah. Hold, please. All what, right. what the <laughs> fuck fizz was that? Oh, the look. Oh, if only I'd added my camera out. We could have. Yeah, you should have taken a photo and posted it. <laughs> he made such faces. It sounds a little like uh, Self Control by Laura Branigan. And you you were just joking. It sounds like Ghostbusters. Yeah, it but sounds it was just like. <laughs> Bucks Fizz was a really terrible early 80s band. They, they kind of sound a little like if ABBA. Like made it to the '80s and got much worse, but <laughs> I, I've listened to a couple of their things. They were like big in the UK for a short bit, and they're kind of awful and amazingly bad. And I don't understand them at all or what they're doing. So, like that was their attempt at it. It's they really went for it. <laughs> I don't know where they went. They left the stratosphere wound up on some kind of foreign planet perhaps aliens like this song but i can't imagine anyone on earth being a fan i don't know like i was complaining earlier that it needs to like hit a little harder on the chorus well i mean i guess that's what it would sound like if they did it like that it sounded awful yeah i hope that uh you i hope that when i said that we put it on pause i hope that you also pause the podcast to listen (laughs) because gosh the context is really important yeah uh anyway what I find to be interesting is that this information tells me, mm-hmm. again, is that Tina is the whole show. Absolutely. Right. Like maybe, that, maybe that's why they dialed it back. There's like nothing to distract from Tina. But it still needs something, right? Like you said, the, the production is weak. It just doesn't really, I don't like the, the pan flute, that doot <laughs> It just doesn't, I don't find that that really it's lands. Kind- the harmonica stuff doesn't quite land. It's just okay. You know, like I've grown like over the course of listening to that song quite a few times over the past week in preparation for this. I've learned to appreciate the pan flutes, I guess. I don't know. There's like that exotic 80s things like we're about to go on safari or something like that. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. But but the uh, the solo, the harmonica solo or the fake harmonica solo in the in the middle, that just always sounded like garbage to me. Like it still sounds like garbage. I don't. Yeah. So basically, the good thing about the song is. Tina Turner yeah and that's it because the song isn't I think in my head when I hear the song right like mm-hmm. what's love got to do with it you know is about the getting away from Mike yes like I, I always assumed that that was the, what the song was supposed to be about but yeah, it's not that is also something I discovered this week and I was like wait what yeah like I, I had a like because she's Tina Turner she brings all that psychic weight to it just because you know who she is, knowing who she is and what she's been through lends it all its power. And then you actually read the lyrics like, is this about sex? Is this just about sex? It is, in fact, a song about how love is dumb and Tina Turner just gots to be fucking like that. <laughs> it's weird. But that's, you know, that's why she didn't like it. 
you know, I had the same experience when, you know, when I really listened to Whitney Houston saving all my love for you for the first time. I thought that was like a song about virginity or, you know, monogamy or something like that. Like, I'm only yours. And I was like, wait, this is a cheating song. What? Yeah, it's really weird. But yeah, once you have Tina Turner singing it, all of a sudden it takes on a completely different meaning. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's not, you know, after listening to a bunch of times, like, I think it is also about, at the very least, something like Tina Turner's story, because it has that part at the end, like, it scares me to feel this way. So, like, it's like, you know, there is a, a bit of, you know, this is more than about just, I don't care about love, I'm just here to get it tonight. There is, like, this is someone who has been burnt hard by by love and romance. Like, even when you don't know Tina's story and everything. Uh, it's just that horrible harmonica solo. It's so bad. It's not great. But, you know, the thing is, in real life, she did remarry, and she was with the same guy for a while. I think she, I think they're still together, aren't they? They are still together, uh, but they didn't get married until, I think, like, it was a really long time. It was, like, it was like 15, 25 years or something wild like that. And he was a lot younger mm-hmm. when they met. And apparently, she said, hey, when we get to back to L.A., I want you to make love to me. That was it. <laughs> she just said that, and then he did. And I think, yeah, I think there's like a 15-year age gap or something between the two of them, but they stayed together the whole time, and when they finally got married, uh, she had a, a, like intestinal cancer and all these health issues, oh. and she, had, she went into kidney failure, and so her then-husband gave her one of his kidneys, and, oh, she was like, and she was like, are we all over the idea that this guy married me for my money? Have we, all, <laughs> have we all come to understand that he literally gave me a kidney? Can we all acknowledge that the love is real? Can we all <laughs> that just... Is, that is wonderful. Like, I, I, you know, there was an interview that ran just like this week with her or something. And she was like talking about like, oh, you know, I'm a strong woman. It's like, who's strong? I'm not strong. Who said I was strong? I'm just still here. Yep. And she's put out another book. That's uh, oh, part that's of the reason why she's been out there talking and, and stuff. Yeah. She did a second biography sort of going into further depth on some things. I think I'm starting to really appreciate this song more than I, I did doing this. Just, you know, learning more about Tina Turner. Because I, I was pretty resistant to to her for a long time. And I was like, I just don't really like any of those things. And I don't really like her stuff in the 70s either. And like, it took me a while to build up a appreciation. Uh, similar to Cher while we're, we're talking on, about it. Yeah, that's her. Although I, I wanted to say that if you if you want some context for the year musically, so the year end Hot 100, Tina Turner's "What Love Got What's Love Got What's Love Got to Do with It" mm-hmm. wound up at number two on the year end, but it was uh, only beat by "When Doves Cry." That was that was the big song by the end of the year, and it was that and "Say Say Say" with Paul McCartney and oh. Michael Jackson, the Kenny Loggins uh, movie theme, Footloose. Footloose. Uh, against all odds, take a look at me now. Phil Collins, Jump, Van Halen, Lionel Richie's Hello. I mean, some yeah. some fucking bangers. This was a huge year. No, for no, music. yeah, it absolutely was. This was like, like the reason they had like all these charity singles is because like this was the year like music was at its biggest. Like there was like the big eighties. They call it the big pop year. And I I, I want to say like I think I read this, uh, Private Dancer, the album that uh, What's Love Got to Do is from was like number three of the year just behind Born in the USA and Purple Rain. Like that is some exalted company to be around. Yeah. And uh, you know what else is on there? 
Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> and the reason that I bring that up is not just to be an asshole, but also because of Cher. You know what's interesting about that? You know who wrote a song for the Ghostbusters film? Well, that would be Diane Warren. Oh, Diane Warren, the one of, of the, one of the most famous songwriters of all time who wrote Shares, yes. If I could turn back time, I was I was kind of shocked to find that out, and I don't. I'm not sure why. Like, like she, that's her stock and trade. Like these big booming uh, '80s singles. Like everything she's made sounds like it belongs in the '80s. Even the stuff she didn't, she wrote in the '90s and and further on. Uh, she did, you know, nothing's gonna stop us now by Starship. She did. Uh, How do I live from Con Air? She did. I don't want to miss a thing from Aerosmith. That's just off the top of my head. Yeah, um, Because You Loved Me. Oh, by Celine, Celine Dion. Yep. I believe that she also did, um, oh, there's a, there's a. I think she does more than one Leanne Rhyme song. I know she did the song from um, Can't Fight the Moonlight, which is uh, called Can't, Can't Fight, Fight the Moonlight. Moonlight. You mean the song from Coyote Ugly. Coyote Ugly, you know what I meant. Yes. I'm sorry. I saw that movie in, in theaters. <laughs> Can't, not even oh. gonna lie. But uh, yeah, so th- here's the start for this song. It comes from a much more legendary stock as far as who is writing the songs. Yeah. Because Diane Warren is about as big as it gets. She is one of the most famous, most prolific songwriters of the 20th and 21st centuries. Yeah, like, if you, like, name a a famous songwriter who's not also an artist, like, Diane Warren would be, like, right near the top. And there's almost nobody that she's she hasn't written for. Like, I was going through stuff. She did a song for Disturbed. The band? I, I believe so. The the band. The band, Disturbed. A song called Uninvited Guest. Well, now I'm disturbed. That doesn't make any sense at all. Just going to put it out there. That <laughs> if that's... I could turn back time. Ooh-ah. Yeah, you can. I don't, I, actually, the guy from Disturbed and Shared don't have dissimilar voices, I guess. There's almost nobody that she, she hasn't worked with, you know. Uh, she worked with fucking Aaliyah. Oh my god! Like she, she worked with Pet Shop Boys. She worked with uh, Kiss. She worked—I believe she worked with Beyonce. She's worked with Meatloaf, Lady Gaga. I mean, it's—it's it's an unbelievable who's who. The thing is about Diane Warren, like her songs are not personal. They have never felt personal, no matter who's singing them. Well, there's a reason for that. So she she got married to a producer for uh, the the guy who I believe who produced this song, the Share song. They were married very briefly, but she has admitted publicly that she's just not that person. She doesn't really feel emotions powerfully like that. <laughs> That's just not who she is. She's like, I'm more interested in writing songs about it. I have no interest in living it because she's, you know, she was in that relationship and then she got out of it and she's never dated anybody ever again. In fact, she's the kind of person who has got a special room where she writes most of her songs and that room is a disgusting sty because she's extremely superstitious and never wants it to be cleaned. Wow, that's so weird because her songs are so sparkling and many of them are quite sterile. I can kind of see it. Like, the songs I tend to like from her the most are the kind that end up with, like, not clean artists like Aerosmith, who are, you know, a big, messy rock band, and Cher. And Disturbed. Yeah, and Cher, who is, like, Always been one of the weirder pop stars. Yes. Well, now we can talk about this. Cher also hated this song. Yeah, I think what was it? Diane Warren said she had to like really like pull her arm to got down on her hands and knees. 
Oh no no it was like her to do I, it. I sat on her leg till she sang it. And then she mouthed you were right or something like that. Yeah, Cher. afterwards. It kind of feels like a heart song. Like if like It really does. You know who you know who Diana Warren worked with? Heart. Oh, of course. Yeah. Pretty sure yeah. she did. Yeah, she wrote the the big heart eighties hits. I've wow, that's a that's a thing. It sure is. And so that's the thing about it is that it was her time. I mean, this is the very end of the eighties, this is nineteen eighty nine. You know, I, I said these were like the comeback songs for both of them, and I got corrected. Well, yeah, because Cher yeah. was still back. I, I mean, it, it helped her career, certainly. It was a yeah. big, big hit, but she was already doing no, Cher, pretty well Cher, for herself. You know, it's weird. Both Tina and uh, Cher kind of fell off after 1975. They did not do well in the disc. Well, Cher had like one disco hit, like her last hit for a long time, for like 10 years. And uh, she went into acting, and whereas Tina kind of disappeared, Cher was, uh, you know, she got her Oscar. She was did surprisingly well, and then she was like, "I'm going to get back into music." She did her self titled debut in eight, her self titled comeback album in '87, and it's it's fine. It's it had like one hit off of there. I found someone. It, it's fine, but like. For me, I, I would still call "If I Could Turn Back Time" a comeback song because it's it's the one people remember from that era. You know, she. You know, we talked about it. She doesn't have the psychic weight of you know what's love got to do with it, but she was in like a, this big tabloid celebrity couple for a while, like for a few years. And I say celebrity couple because she was in it, not the other guy. And they broke it off right at you know right before that song came out. And to be clear, this guy, I won't look at him, Rob Camaletti or something like that. He's nobody. He was 22 years old. Cher was 40. He worked at a bagel shop. And they were, like, he was not ready to handle, like, three years of being, like, in the biggest couple in the world. Like, he's no Sonny Bono. <laughs> well, so, you know, yeah. it's like, maybe I can hear a little of that. But it, it's certainly nothing as powerful as Ike and Tina. No. Here's a question. You think you could, uh... Do you think you could date Cher? <laughs> Do I think I could date Cher? Do you think you could handle it? Let us say no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. I, I am not a big fan of scrutiny. I don't know if anyone who knows me knows that about me. Oh, but... yeah. What a vague statement. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess I, I guess I agree. I can't really imagine you uh, having a really great time dating somebody who was more famous than you <laughs> and who you always kind of vaguely lived in the shadow of. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Burned. No. Um yeah, I I I don't know who I think it would be very hard to date Cher. I you know, I think that that you know, I I don't I mean, the, know. The I didn't do the it, research the to see why Sony for... broke up or when they why they split, but you know, it's pretty clear that one of them is a celebrity and the other one is Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he was apparently the Svengali of the duo. Like, he was in charge of everything, and that's why, you know... But that's, control. you know, but great, so he can do their taxes. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? That's just... I don't know. I, I've gotten the sense that he was a bit of a controlling freak, and like, producer, manager, all that. Cher, you know, she's kind of tight-lipped about it. She doesn't, like... Well, I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's dead. It doesn't really make a lot of I sense. I mean, she to... did that big uh, eulogy speech at his funeral, and later, like... An ex-manager of hers is like, no, she, she hated Sonny. Like, that's that's another Oscar for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. That, that's literally what he said. That's a mean thing to say. Look, man. It, it is exactly the kind of thing I would expect someone who lives in Cher's circles to say. 
I would like to know what what people's opinions are. Unless, did you have any other facts that you wanted to drop before we before we well, I mean, well, start we, well, taking notes? Well, how can we talk? How can we uh, talk about the shares if I could turn back time without talking about the video? All right. Well, <laughs> as an adult, yeah, you got to respect the hustle. <laughs> You've got to respect it. I mean, as a kid, it really just I thought it, she was trying too hard, and now as an adult, I think. I would never have the guts to do that. Yeah. That outfit, the whole thing is just, inc- it's just unbelievable. Only Cher could do such a thing. You know, we talk about uh, Cher being like the, the gay man's icon. That was an extremely heterosexual video. Was it? There were a lot of screaming uh, screaming men for Cher in that video. Mm-hmm, but they were uh, naval officers. Oh, yeah, well, you know, in the Navy. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I never, get... <laughs> I never, I never thought of it that way. I mean, I suppose in a way you could, but it always read as pretty gay. And I don't, <laughs> don't please don't take that as as that's not. I'm not. I don't mean that in, the, in a pejorative, in a derogatory way. I, yeah. I mean, like it just reads as her playing towards her very gay fan base because she's not an idiot. She knows yeah. who butters her bread. You know, it's a, a funny thing about the video. I was like reading the song facts about that. They were like, there was like, this was like a very involved video with like a plot. <laughs> and there was like, you know, like, like gunfights and a speedboat chase and everything and all that. And then when they were making the video, I was like, you know what? We got one good shot here of uh, her on the ship. Why don't we just leave it at that? Like, who cares about any of this other stuff? Although, you know, you said it was like on VH1. It also said like they had to on MTV. It was like too hot for MTV, and they could only play it at night. That's so funny. Maybe I would see. Maybe I was seeing it in the nineties. It's entirely possible. Yeah, that that would have been early nineties. Well, I think maybe there was like an, to ninety four. I, I think there's an alternate cut. They said with uh, I saw like something that a different version of it, and it had like maybe a few clips of the speedboat and it like, <laughs> it, and you know it was controversial at the time. You know, her, her rubbing her bare ass on you know this beautiful uh, battleship. Like the military uh, yes, people were this, beauti- this beautiful weapon. It was disrespectful, said the veterans, especially right. the older type. It's it's nice to know that even at age forty three, Cher could still shock. I respect it. I mean, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's the kind of outfit you'd think Howard Stern would wear. <laughs> you know, that seems like a that seems like a discarded fart man outfit. It is it, it is basically a dressed up version of Borat's uh, mankini, kind of. Uh, yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah, she puts it on, and I guess, and I hope that this is not going to read as an insult. It does. Like, I don't look at it and go, "Like, man, sexy." I look at it and go, "Man, she just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she just does not care." And I like that. That's you know, as an adult, you look back and, and you go, "That's cool." You know, I thought at the time that she was trying really hard, but now I look back and I think it's a real fuck you statement of an outfit. You know, yeah, I'm in my 40s and I don't give a shit. I'll wear whatever the hell I want. You know what? I, I feel like uh, if I could turn back time is a, something, you know, you need some kind of a authority of age to sing properly. And that felt correct to me that Cher gets that. You know, she wore that outfit again in 2010. Yes, I didn't know that. And she uh, came on at age like late 50s at, at best. I can't do math, but good job. And uh, she gave went out there in the outfit and then she gave an award to Lady Gaga who was wearing her infamous meat dress at the time 
and that feels like a proper handoff, you know? Yes, yes. Although that it makes me think it makes me feel like she should have been giving it to J Lo and the J Lo dress, who, as we're recording this, reward the, the, the <laughs> she re- recently rewore a very similar, if not exactly the same green. Yeah, dress. I saw that. Yeah, but that does make sense. I mean, Lady Gaga, um, who also once again had uh, had at least one song written for her by Diane Warren. Um, oh yeah, till till it happens to you. Was that Diane Warren? I was I was actually a. Uh, reading some of my fam- favorite critics and uh, one of them was like ranking all the share singles and there's like the only one he didn't like was uh, if I could turn back time. He said it's like one of the worst songs ever made. Disagree. I, disagree. I was going to disagree. Then I listened to the album. He's like, you know what? If I was there at the time and I had to listen to all this butt rock, like like the, uh, the rest of the album's written by like Bon Jovi and Desmond Child who wrote, wrote a lot of uh, Bon Jovi songs also. And I was like, if I were in 1989, I could imagine being sick of this. And this kind of music is also where Tina Turner ended up, you know, with you know, simply the best. Yep. And that's not a good song. No. Uh, Till it happens to you is the Lady Gaga song. That, that is, I was that correct. Is the one. All right. So, yep. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, we've waited in on the music video. It's good. Yes. We like share. You know, uh, Tina Turner didn't look like that before the video either, with the big hair and the. That like, hair keep- is that hair is a lot of hair. I don't know if you'd ever noticed, but there, she's she's got a lot of hair in that video. Had you caught on to that? I can't I can't imagine. I was like Tina Turner. There was a time when she didn't look like that. Anyway, go ahead. Let's let's hear. Let's see what, let's, what they're let, saying. Let, let us be influenced. All right, by our listenership. Laura Elizabeth says, "My old manager was a huge Cher fan and used to put up a picture of her face with the caption, don't forget to turn back time every year when daylight savings was about to kick in.'" You know? Yeah. Actually, daylight savings time. Oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. So don't forget. Don't forget. I think maybe I'll get that poster. Okay. That was from Laura Elizabeth. And this next one says from Andrew Dederer. Dederer. Okay. It says, Cher is a much better actor than Tina, but Tina is much better about being who the song is about. Who? What's love got to do with it? Sounds like it's about Tina. Turn back time. Sounds like Cher auditioning for a revival of Gypsy. But granted, I would cast her based on this audition. <laughs> He, he adds, also, Ike was a much worse husband, but Sonny stuck us all with some doubtful copyright law. I don't, I feel as though I should have looked that up. I, I trust you. That's, no, it's, he was behind the big dot Disney copyright renewal. Oh, all, all right. That makes Sonny me, Bono. And I, then. I hate it. Great. <laughs> I, I, I would still call Ike Turner the worst person. Let's. Yeah, I mean, it's not, no, there's not really a lot of comparing. Yes. Okay. Okay. What else you got? Uh, Jordan Geringer says something about Cher has always seemed so off-putting to me and I could never figure out why until I realized she reminds me of my great aunt who would always show up at family funerals, overdramatically wail the entire time, and end up stealing some of the deceased jewelry. So Tina Turner all the way. Oh, see now, first of all, thank you for your comment. (laughs) Second of all, that's exactly why I like Cher. (laughs) That's exactly it. You've just described a woman I aspire to be. (laughs) I love it. Show up to a wedding. See, for me, I uh, I think of uh, when my grandmother died, and uh, she was one of three uh, kids, and her older brother had already died, and the other brother was still around. And when he walked into that funeral, he walked in like the fucking winner. <laughs> and I got to tell you what, you got to respect the game. You got to respect that he, I mean, he walked in with the biggest grin on his face. And it's not that he disliked my grandmother. It's just that he was the last one standing and he yeah. felt real good about it. So 
maybe that's just the influence of my very strange family, <laughs> but I like that. I gotta, I gotta respect that. Does does he think he inherits the crown like he's royalty? <laughs> yeah, he's the king. Yeah, okay, he's the winner, and in that way, I think that Cher. I also that's what I think. I yeah. think Cher is the kind of woman that shows up to a funeral whenever a friend of hers dies, like looking real good <laughs> and 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 being like, well, outlasted another one. Yep, crack fingers, steel yeah. <laughs> steel necklace. I like it. All right. <laughs> Joe DL writes, as a gay man who is totally clueless about Cher, I, I think they revoke your card for that, but as wow. a gay man who is totally clueless about Cher, do either of you guys know if her gay icon status is purely because of this video? Because it's like if Joel Schumacher directed Pearl Harbor. So he would back you up on this. It's a very gay video is what he's saying. Okay. Uh, I thank you for your comment. I, yeah. I, I agree that it is that. But I don't think that this is the... the re- no, Cher is a gay icon because no. she's Cher. Yeah. Like, if you look at her, I think that there's something about a very tall, very... Like, she's a broad. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's got this deep husky voice... She acts like a drag performer. Like, sh- like it's there are a lot of yeah. um, very popular drag performers to do impressions of Cher. Uh, Chad Michaels uh, being probably the most famous one, but the most famous Cher drag performer is Cher. <laughs> That's it, you know. And I some divas have that quality, but I think that in a, that Cher has that in a way that no other diva does. There's something about her, maybe Celine Dion. Celine Dion is also kind of like the drag performer of her of herself in a way. But Cher, I think, obviously did it first. And I can't think of anybody else that quite hits that. They bo- they both don't have soft faces either. Like, but that, And that's not... Yeah, that's not a, a, an insult or anything. It just lends itself to drag. It does. and uh, But yeah, no, I think that she was always... I think she was she was destined to be beloved by the queer community, and I think she was beloved pretty much from the jump. Yep. All right, one last one. Kevin Brown writes, is Cher's biopic going to be titled If I Could Turn Back Time? Debate over. Like, well, let's say the best thing about What's Love Got to Do With It even be, is before you even get to the song. It's the title. It is the greatest title in history. That is a that tells you everything right away. That's a song you immediately want to listen to. I don't if they make a, a movie called If I Could Turn Back Time. Look, man, I don't think it's going to be as good as What's Love Got to Do with It. Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne telling the Tina Turner Ike Turner story. That movie, dude. I got to be honest, I didn't like it very much. It's I mean, it's a critical darling. It didn't make a ton of money, but no, no, it's it's got biopic itis, you know. It's like it's like here it's 1965, it's 1968. This happened, and then this happened. It's I like, know. and they're both. I I think they both deserved Oscar nominations for it. They're both very good. That's the thing. I just who on earth are you gonna get to play Cher? <laughs> the thing is, Angela Bassett doesn't look a damn thing like. Oh Tina no, Turner. not at all. I don't think Lawrence Fishburne looks much like Ike either. No, I mean I don't really know how how they ended up casting Lawrence Fishburne beyond the. So Lawrence Fishburne, they wanted for the role. This is a quick sidebar. They wanted him to play the role of Ike Turner, and he turned it down. I think two or three times, and the only reason that he said yes was because they had cast Angela Bassett, and then he was like, "I'm in." And Tina Turner was not directly involved in the film much but she was very involved in the casting of herself 
and then preparing that person who was Angela Bassett. And they had a lot. Whitney Houston came in. There's like a, there's a huge list of names of people that came in to try and play this role. But apparently when Angela Bassett walked in, Tina Turner was like, that's the one. Just knew immediately that that was the person. And Angela Bassett, I do think, even though she's doing a very different thing, I think that she captures the spirit of Tina Turner. And that's a very hard thing to do because Tina Turner fills whatever space she is in with her Tina Turnerness. Like, I like Cher a lot, mm-hmm. but I kind of like Cher because she's an asshole. <laughs> Tina Turner you love because she is just kindness personified. There's just something truly... Oh, but she's, a, she's just a fucking goddess of a person. No, I've never heard a single person say a single uh, mean thing about her, not even Ike. No, she's just an incredible human being. I think, you know, I think... Being around her, it feels like being. You're like maybe there's life after death. I feel like I'm. <laughs> I feel like I'm bathed in warm light. Um, but yeah, all right. So, so we're love done. has love has a lot to do with it, as it turns out. Apparently. So here's my question to you. Uh, we've talked about it for a while. We've looked at the facts. We've gotten uh, uh, some advice, some help from our mm-hmm. listeners. Are you still team share? I don't think I am. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna switch on this one. Wow. Yeah. Where I, are you? I um you know, here's what I'll say. I stand by my original opinion that from a songwriting level, I think that if I could turn back time is the superior. However, if we go by the metric of what song is the world worse for if it doesn't exist. I'd say I, I was absolutely gonna say that. And well. that and that's the thing. What's love got to do with it may not be as impressive from a production standpoint. However, there is just something unstoppable, undeniable, and necessary about mm-hmm. Tina Turner singing that song. So yes, the world uh, is less for n- not having it if it didn't have it. My mind also changed in the process of doing this research, and it stayed that way. I didn't want to. I didn't want to surprise anybody. <laughs> but yes, so that's. I also wound up switching to Team Tina by the end. Wow. We we are all in agreement today. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> How can we have a debate podcast if we're going to agree all the time? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, who do you think won? Who do I think won? I think Tina Turner won. By how much? I think she won by mm, somewhere in the 7 to 10% range. The the what? 7 to 10%. I think that she won, but okay. I think that she would have like, like, somewhere between 50, so 57 to 60% of the vote. All right. By a total of 355 to 170, 70 to 30 percent. Whoa! That is what's love got to do with it. Oh, so like a like a like a bloodbath. Yes, this was a slaughter. I'm shocked by that because yeah, that share w- song is really fun. Yeah, it is. It's a really fun goddamn song. I tell you, they even played it at a. I think it's been a little while, but a couple months ago, the trivia that we do that song came up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was trying to prove at that point, but. <laughs> I do really like that song. Oh, you know what it was? It was that when they played it, every single person on the bar was singing along. Yeah. That's what I remember. No, that's a fun sing-along, that one. I'd do it at karaoke if it were in my range at all. Yeah. I'll sing um, but Believe for fun, just because it's fun to go like, if I could turn back time. Yeah. Anyway, that's a that the make, making fun of the the auto tune. That's a, that's a subject for another podcast. Eventually, I'm sure we, we I, should, we I should are, do auto tune songs. Or oh, do you already have them in your head? 
I do have another shared one with believe on it, but we'll, we we'll get there. We got to take a little break from share. I'm trying yeah. to avoid the number of times that we do the same artists. Yeah, we're, same. We've literally only been doing this podcast for a year, so let's yeah. let's let's earn our way back to share. <laughs> well, what are we doing next week? That's a great question. What are we doing next week? It's, oh, that's right. I picked the. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. We we, we I think we kind of came up with this together. Yes, we did. What, so what was it? Remind me. It was Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out versus Modest Mouse's Float On, the big indie rock crossover hits from 2004. Going to be yeah. hard. Really hard. So first These of songs all, are like embedded into my soul. I'm so. very glad that um, once again we're doing songs within the 21st century. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often. Hey, kids, you might have actually heard these songs before. <laughs> so that's nice. Well, I actually got someone who said it's like, I've heard What's Love Got to Do With It so many times, I, I don't hear if I could turn back time ever now. Like, really? They, that one's gone away? I was like really shocked. Uh, I guess we'll, you'll have to guess. Feel free. Remember that uh, we'll be putting up the poll for this next mashup. Mashup. This next, this next match bout. Matchup. Matchup. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. But yeah, so the next matchup, we'll, we'll have the poll up. Remember uh, that you may feel free to not only vote, not only give your explanation for what song you picked, but you can also feel free to try and guess where you think we're going to wind up. We like to duck and move. We like to surprise each other. So you you, you might be right. You might be wrong, but I'll tell you, I think it's worth a shot. Uh, in the meantime, please remember, uh, first of all, that we are very grateful to you, our listeners, especially those of you who are our patrons. Remember, if you are not a patron, that every month we do a special episode that is just for patrons, and it only costs $1 a month in order to get access to that. Just $1. Oh, and we, we've got to... Do our uh, bonus episode. We haven't done our bonus episode this month. We will be recording it next week, probably, but but the movie comes out this week. That movie is Judy. Oh, speaking of biopics. Yep. Is the, is the movie about Judy Garland's, or the end of her life. And, uh, well, yeah, it comes out the end of the week that we're recording this episode, so we'll watch it probably either this weekend or early next week. And then oh, yeah, we got to get it out before the end of the month. You'll get a, you'll get a bonus episode if you pay a dollar. <laughs> Un dollar. That's it. It's very affordable, I like to think. But uh, thank you for listening. Again, uh, remember to vote in the polls and to give us your reasons because we really can't do this uh, without you. That's the viewers like you. That is the most important part of the whole podcast, I promise. Yes. Far more important than our opinions are yours. Oh, God, our opinions are garbage. That's right. (laughs) All right. See you next time. 